0: Well, here comes another Books of the Year pod, and uh, we're delighted to say that Mark Bellingham has come in again. He has. Uh, yes, he yes, because we've been away for we've once.
1: We've been away for a few days, and now know. come back in, and he's managed to turn up on time. Oh, yeah, stop love. it! Which is a great, which is yeah. a great, a great <laughs> thing.
0: So here we go. Mark doing our Q and A. Mark, what was the last book you really, really enjoyed? Uh,
2: that would be a, a novel called Long Bright River by Liz Moore, uh, which has been recently released. Huge smash hit in America, I think, already on the New York Times bestseller list. An amazing book. What what people would describe as a literary crime novel, which is normally a thing that makes my flesh crawl, uh, it transcends the genre. Uh, all that kind of stuff. I hate all that. But this this is just a wonderful, wonderful novel. Years and years in the, in the writing. Set in uh, an area of Philadelphia where the opioid uh, epidemic has really bitten very hard. The story of two sisters just a, just an astonishing book, a big book you know, a big book, 500 pages and I thought wow, it's going to take some getting, couldn't put it down and whizzed through it, absolutely
0: brilliant Okay, so the ti- give us the title and artist
2: Long here. Bright River by Liz Moore okay.
0: Wow,
1: uh, do you have a favourite writer?
2: Wow, uh, that's such so hard there are so many, I mean there are, there are a number of writers who when I can get proofs of their book or early manuscripts of their book, I will pull whatever strings I can to get them, American writer George Pelicanos, just oh. Yeah, absolutely. Superb. Now, mostly writing TV, you know, The Deuce and The Wire yeah, 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 and all yeah, yeah. that sort of stuff. But if you haven't read any of his novels, go and treat yourself. Megan Abbott, similarly, is a wonderful American novelist who's just had uh, her book Dare Me made into a big series about cheerleading. Um, Jonathan Coe, I absolutely adore. And also any, any books by any of my bandmates in the Fun Loving Crime Writers. <laughs> so I've got to have to say that. So anything <laughs> by Far McDermott or Doug Johnson or Chris Brookmeyer or Luca Veste or Stuart Neville.
0: What was the. Well, is there a book you'd like to step inside of? This is always quite a difficult question because often world building is a, you know, Why would I want to be a part of that? But anyway, has there ever been a book?
2: Well, a book that, uh, that it would probably scare the bejesus out of me to step inside of, but I'd, I'd quite like, to, It's a book called The Book of Lost Things by John Connolly, who. Uh, John is best known as a, as a mystery writer. He writes the Charlie Parker series, but he wrote this amazing book a few years ago, which is a book about books, a book about the power of. Stories And it's sort of a nightmare, fairy tale. It's one of these things you you want to see this filmed because it is going to just horrify. But, I mean, there's also lots of light moments in it. It's a a wonderful, scary book. Also one of the few books that make me cry like a baby when I finished it.
1: How long do you tend to give a book before you decide this isn't for me? And and, and I, I suppose a link to that question is, How soon do you realise, I don't know whether I'm going to get on with this book at all? Oh,
2: 20 pages, Mm. 20, 25 pages. And I think people absolutely should put books down that they're not enjoying. It's the bane of my life. you know. And I have this argument with my wife all the time. I say, are you enjoying that book? She says, no. I go, why are you reading it? Then says it's not going to beat me. Like it's some kind of <laughs> war of attrition. If you're, you know, if you're not enjoying a book, that, that writer has not done their job properly. Pick it, or it might just not be for you at that time. Move on. Pick up another one. There's loads of good mm. books out there, and I would expect anybody reading one of my books to do exactly the same thing and write me a strongly worded email.
0: I because I, I was slightly. I remember getting burnt by uh, the Perfect Storm. Yep. and and I gave and I read that and I thought i'm gonna stick with it because so many people have recommended it, and I stopped at about page ninety yep and then i and I gave up on it, and then the movie happened, and I thought, okay, i'm going to pick it up again, and as soon as I picked it up and I sort of recapped a couple of and, I, and it took off and i yeah thought, yes i'm actually this is this is fantastic, and I loved it all the way through to the end so some sometimes Right time, right place The mood you're in Yeah um, But there's got
2: got to be something In those first 25 Mm. And it doesn't have to be A crash bang wallet plot Or a superb hook It's a voice It's a character You want to spend time with Something But yeah No more than 20, 25 pages
0: So you tell your wife That she's Put it down For God's (laughs) sake Um, OK, so this is a relevant question. But we, we did mention this when uh, in, our, in our main conversation when we were talking about The Little Secret. There is a section where the importance of how you arrange your books uh, is, is manifest, and you've written about that. So describe your book collection.
2: It's, it's mostly crime and music. I think you could probably divide it into those two two categories, really. Obviously, lots and lots of crime novels, uh, the crime novels I read before I started and the crime novels that arrive daily uh, from my postman who now hates me because um, <laughs> you do get sent an awful lot of a lot of books, which is great. Uh, the irony being you don't have quite as much time to read them as you did before you started writing. So lots and lots of crime fiction and lots and lots of music, lots of music, autobiographies. and um, Yeah, that's kind of Alphab- largely
0: Alphabetical it. Alphabetical or arranged you know by what? colour? It's ne-
2: it's, there is some bits of the house where the books are arranged by colour. I mean, if you've got lots of those... By colour? Well, if you've got lots of those lovely old green... Penguin crime together. novels, you've got to, you've them you've yeah. got to yeah, put those enough, together. Enough, yeah. um, and also, if you just arrange them for, uh, alphabetically, then you've got paperbacks next to hardbacks, which I, I can't do that. No, that no. So yeah. all the hardbacks together, all the paperbacks are together. And there is a sort of music section. Okay. Where I, and even though it, it's a bit higgledy-piggledy, if somebody said, can you go and lay your hands on, you know, The Last Train to Memphis by Peter Gorelnik, I'd know exactly
1: where it was. Because we did, we had one, was it Michael Lewis, who said he arranged his books by uh, region. <laughs> by which are you like really? Well, wow, I mean I'm pretty anal, but my goodness, by region. No, that's tricky. Yeah, yeah. and amazing. Um are there any books that stand out from your childhood?
2: Yeah, I guess one of the the, the first, Well, you know you, you know you have to you have to read books at school and there were good books I had to read, you know, Animal Farm and To Kill a Mockingbird and all that stuff, but because I had to read them it was a bit like homework. So it's that first book you found for yourself, which is a book called Smith by Leon Garfield, which is a book about sort of 18th century pickpocket. Birch in London um, and I loved that book, Rollicking Kind of Adventure and then cut to 20 years ago and I discovered that my daughter was at school with his granddaughter which was, an, wow. which was a lovely lovely thing but the books that really turned me on to reading were two books I read back to back one summer when I was 14 which were Jaws and The Godfather <laughs> and I don't know if that counts as childhood I was 14 but I didn't know books could do that. I mean, I didn't know books could literally knock you back in your chair and make you go whole... Oh, and both books had dirty bits in, which is quite yeah. important when you're a fourteen year old boy. But boy, were those books! That's when I discovered what popular fiction was.
0: You used the word there, um, urchin, <laughs> which, 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 But it's a great word, and it obviously doesn't come up very often. But no. I don't know if you did. You watch the His Dark Materials adaptation? On, I uh, didn't. Because, yeah. and I've forgotten her name now. But the the girl who they got to play Lyra. That's her face. It's an urchin's, urchin's face. It's kind of, but it feels like Victorian and though yeah. and condescending in some way. Yeah, yeah, But it is. But it's a fantastic word. Do you have a favorite, either biography or autobiography? Oh, uh, one, or or one of each. Quickly. As well,
2: as. well, obviously, because I've mentioned Elvis Costello, um, I'm going to pick Elvis Costello's autobiography, um, Unfaithful Music and Disappearing Ink, for a couple of reasons. Firstly, it's not one of those I was born. This is when I, you know, it's not chronological because as I've heard him say in interviews you can discover all that stuff on the internet these days autobiographies I think I have to do something different mm-hmm. and this book does he's got a butterfly mind, so we'll start talking about one little incident that you know and that will spark off that 's how I wrote this song and here's my memory of that and you know it goes all over the place but you know and it's a huge book, huge book, and I read it in two days um, and in terms of huge books that that uh, I was not daunted by at all um, a, a book called Tune in by Mark Lewison which is the first part of the trilogy the the definitive Beatles biography Mark lewison is the world's greatest Beatles expert. And this first volume, Tune In, there has only been one volume, uh, is, I think it runs up, it's it's about 800 pages long and it finishes in 1963. So there's wow. lots to, yeah. and I remember saying to a friend, I'm loving this, I'm loving this. And he said, is it detailed? I said, well, put it this way, I'm on page 432 and Ringo's grandfather's just bought him a new hat. That's <laughs> how detailed it But just, as a Beatles fanatic, I just couldn't recommend that. Highly I've, got
0: I've just got an Elvis- Stanley Elvis- yeah. question. Which yes. Is- so you'll know, that it's not a tricky question, but I was in a queue <laughs> waiting to get in to see the Pogues at Rock City, uh, mid-80s, mm-hmm. something like that. I'm in a queue for a free ticket behind Elvis, and uh, and I had never met him or anything like that. But I just lent in as as he was leaning into the box office, and he said, Ticket for Mr McManus. <laughs>
2: oh! <laughs> nice. Yeah. nice. Nice, nice, nice. Well, the, I mean, the other reason I picked up that autobiography is that, that I, I was lucky enough to interview him on stage when that came out. He only did two... Live events, one of which was in Liverpool, and I did, you know, interviewed him on stage at the Royal Court Theatre, where back in 1986 I was pulled up on stage to spin the spectacular spinning songbook during the the gig he did on that uh, on that very stage. So the fact that I, I mean, if you could have told my 17 year old self that I'd be uh, talking to Elvis on stage, I mean, I've I've been a, a devoted fan for 40 years.
1: Do you use public library and if so, when was last time?
2: Um, well, I don't use public libraries to take books out but I I, I do a lot of work in public libraries. I, I like to think of myself as a huge supporter of libraries. Without libraries I wouldn't be a reader. It's that simple. I didn't grow up in a house full of books. Um, and if it wasn't for my mum taking me to Kings Heath Library every week. Um, and in fact, about Four months ago, I went back to King's Heath Library. I was doing a um, a Radio Four series about writing in the Midlands, and they took me back to my old library, which was just astonishing to go back into that place and just the smell and the, mm. one of the few libraries they haven't shut down. Um, so yeah, and, and I, I sometimes do research in the in the British Library, but um, yeah, as much as much support for libraries as I can.
0: Is there a hidden gem of a place where you do research? And I think also you could include writing in there. You know, when you when, when you're in a book. Writing and researching routine, is there somewhere that you go?
2: No, there isn't. I mean, I, I only ever really write at home, in my office at home. I can't, I can't write on the road. I can't write in hotels and, and on trains and stuff. Just, I just can't do it. Research, I do less and less as the years go on because I y- used to do way too much. Way too much, you know. I would drive to a set of traffic lights at three in the morning to check you could turn left. You know, I don't want to get those angry letters. You know, dear Mr Billingham, my enjoyment of your otherwise good book, was spoiled, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, and increasingly... I've realised that research is just a way of kidding yourself you're writing a book, when in fact you're just finding out lots of stuff that you then crowbar in at the expense of the narrative. So I think, you know, I will, I will get to a point where I think I need to find out about that. I'm not now going to go and spend three weeks researching it. I'm going to carry on and I'll know what I need to know. Um, Could you, to, you ever do a l-
0: child? Could you ever just sort of start and see where it happens? That's kind of... I, more
2: and more I'm moving in that direction. Um, I've never really been a planner... I've, but I've always had a kind of opening couple of chapters in mind. Uh, at the end of which there'll be lots of questions. But no, Lee very famously just sits down on the same day every year with his lines his pencils up and off he goes. I couldn't. But do I always
1: that. think that's deceptive because it makes it sound like he he all he does is just sit down and write when he's absorbed so much information. And, and bluntly, you know, he, when we've interviewed him in the past, he will just bring up facts and figures oh, yeah. off the top of his head. And you're like, oh, yeah. right, I guess if I had that kind of mind and that kind of memory, I probably wouldn't need to do research either. I just, yeah, no, just uh, astonishing.
2: sadly my mind and memory no. are not comparable to Lee's, so right. I, there is stuff I need to find out, but not too much.
1: Is, is there a book that will always cheer you up? Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I
2: love the, early, uh, the early, early Woody Allen books of, of short comic fiction uh, are still hilarious. Um, side effects, without feathers, getting even. Those are the Charlie Brooker books, the Charlie Brooker oh, books yeah. of, of yeah. TV criticism and the stuff he wrote um, what are they called, Dawn of the Dumb the hell of it all, I uh, just just laugh out loud, I mean to laugh out loud at a book is a, is a very special thing.
0: You do a little bit on, uh, on social media, is there someone on Twitter who you think... Uh... A, a writer who it would be useful to follow? Who you yes, I guess follow?
2: I guess it depends what you want out of it. If you're looking for advice, uh, you know, on, on writing, on publishing, or whatever it is, Joanne Harris is great. Um, if you want just some great book recommendations, there's a fantastic slagging off of Donald Trump, Stephen King. <laughs> That's uh, really it's very good always is a treat. That, yeah. And if you just want dirty, dirty, uh, offensive laughs, John Niven. I heartily recommend especially during a big sporting occasion any big sport occasion like a big tennis match or a football match just follow John, Tw- John Niven live on Twitter filth uh,
0: Mark Billingham's latest book is their little secret Mark it's always a pleasure thank you very much
2: thank you for having me